Welcome to this week's edition of Gravel Travel. I'm your host, JJ LaRue. She's no stranger to the competitive world and known as the Desert Rose. At only 5 foot 2 and having competed in over 165 off-road races, her latest and biggest achievement, a 77th overall position in the car rally, is not to be frowned upon. Set to become the first woman from Africa to finish the Dakar, saw her lose out on this title due to mechanical problems. Tay, is that right? Is that the right way to pronounce it? That's correct. Tay, without further ado, why don't you just give us a brief background about yourself? I come from East London and I started racing when we moved up to the Northwest. Uh, my dad actually, he had old photos, so I, I got into them and I wanted a bike very long ago. I think I was 13 or 14. And from there, it kind of just spiraled out of control with the biking. So I went on to race junior nationals and I'd often be dead last. I have lots of last place trophies. <laughs> then I went on to race seniors and um, I have won a few um, women's titles in the cross-country nationals and then I went on to do a bunch of international rallies and eventually Dakar so I'm hoping to push for more now. In all of this time your dad supported you doing this right? Yes my family mom and dad. I have to ask because generally speaking dads would be very protective over their daughters. Very protective in the beginning very pushy we, we clash a lot but it's all good you know it's all part of the process and it, I think it's it's built me, so it's made me who I am, and I'm very grateful for it because I had times where you know you go into dips, and I like took a, a gap year, like off racing, and I'm so glad I did because then I realized I actually love this and I can't live without it. So I'm I'm actually grateful for all the fights and all the all the rough times. So am I right in understanding that you are or see yourself as a professional motorcycle racer or rally racer? Yes, I do see myself as a professional racer, but I wouldn't, uh, in terms of, you know, being paid to do it, I'm not quite there. <laughs> so what are your plans future-wise re with regards to that? Is that something that you would like to do? Of course. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, this year has been a mess up with the whole COVID and um, I was supposed to go to Dakar on a bike uh, this January coming up, but very early on in the year, I decided, you know what, I'm going to call it off. I, it's it's going to be impossible to raise the funds. And with all of this happening, everyone's struggling. I mean, businesses are closing. So it, it was off, sadly. And then that's when a different opportunity came up. Why don't you just take us through the run-up to the Dakar and how, how all of that came about. It's not a small ask. It's a mission. It's it's a financial, a serious financial consideration and a lot of preparation. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, I'm going to tell you about like my previous run-up to my the Dakar I did. Um, we planned it over a year in advance that, you know, we said, okay, we're going for Dakar. And that's when all the, the fund hunting, I mean, people start hunting for funds a lot earlier than that. So we, we kind of got thrown in the deep end because it was now or never. So um, hunting for sponsors and hunting for funding and fundraising. Fundraising is so difficult, especially, um, I can say, not because I'm a woman as well. There's not many women in the sport. People don't 
I'm not sure what the whole thing is, but it's it's not easy being a woman in the sport. And there are so few of us. I, I don't know if they, you know, we're not, we might not be in the top tens and all that, but we still have our own uh, clashes, should I say. But we are, I'm pushing to be, to race with the men. So that I've got to tell sponsors and stuff that. But, um, but other than that, a lot of our funding came from, from home. We sold off everything. <laughs> Not, not, you, you know what I mean. So a lot of it came from family, close friends, um, a few overseas sponsors. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't know. We even at Dakar, I still owed money. Even into this year, I still had bills to pay. So it, it's it's an ongoing thing. It's it's a black hole, but it's what we love. It's our passion. So we'll keep. And like um, you asked, if I where I see it going, I want to keep going back to Dakar even I mean this year I'll, I'll be in a car but in years to come I'll be back on my bike I still I have how can I say revenge to go in <laughs> to go and get back if you say you're racing with men I don't but you you enter into your own class as a as a lady participant um in Dakar and rally and uh, off-road racing we most of the big races there is no ladies class we have a category but we we race with the men. So I'm entered into, let's say, M1.1 or a, a pr the production bike class. So you're either a class according to your bike or your CC or um, a category. Sometimes there's an age category, but there's not, there's not really a, a, you know, a sex category. But at the end of the day, at the very end of the rally, we still get a podium for women. So no matter where you are in the race, there'll still be a podium for women. But what really matters is our overall position, and that's what's important to me. Tell us about your your time during the Dakar. How did what was that like? Unbelievable! It's you know it's I don't know how to explain to people. We we go there to suffer, and but we love it. You know to achieve that to to go through twelve days of grueling terrain and hours on the bike and and freezing and then dying of the heat and. Uh, it's it's just something you can't describe. Um, that's why we just keep on going back, and I want to go improve myself. I want to. It was my first time. Um, how can I say? I had done one rally on the rally bike before Dakar, so I was still learning that bike as well. I was still, you know, learning to deal with it in the dunes. That was my main weak spot because we don't have dunes in South Africa. We have in in Namibia you can go to, but there's only so much practice you can get. I don't have a rally bike down here. And that bike weighs double the amount of a normal bike. So it it wasn't easy, but I felt stronger and stronger in the Dakar. So I really want to go back. I feel I can do a lot better than where, where, I, where I came. Well, what is it that drives you to want to do that? What are you fighting for? What are you aiming for? I mean, there is a lot of personal fighting inside. There's a lot of determination. There's You have to... I suppose at times dig really deep yeah. to to find that energy and that drive. It's for me especially. I'm I'm not the biggest rider. I'm I'm very short. Um, I can't even like stand and sit on my bike at the same time if I'm stationary. <laughs> I've got to have my my seat like gets into my knee. Uh, that's how I keep my bike up. So it's it's very challenging, and and that's one of the reasons I I love to do it because. If people see me do it, they realize, you know, they've got no excuses. If we can go out and do anything, I'm I'm one of the smallest riders out there, and 
I have probably some of the most troubling times out there because if, if I fall, I've got like very little pivoting. I, I struggle in the dunes a lot and my weakness is when I'm going slow. That's my weakness. That's why I love high speed. I love anything, you know, momentum is my friend. So I have a lot of trouble in the slow stuff, but I also learn very fast. I adapt quickly and I, I sort that out and I make sure I learn from my mistakes. Do you have a rally bike now? How did you, what bike did you use for the Dakar? Um, for the Dakar last, uh, well, this year, 2020 Dakar, I bought a secondhand bike from the Netherlands. That bike had done Dakar already. They a, a Dakar bike can typically do two Dakars. So I, and they're they're very expensive bikes. So we, uh, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to to rent a bike for Dakar. You know, when you rent a team and a bike, it it costs you almost the same price as buying a secondhand bike. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to be in rally for a while. I I want to walk away with a bike at least that I can go and redo the motor and go do another race. So we went that route instead of just renting a new bike. But it, I don't know, I, I'm not going to blame that for my issue on day 11. I mean, anything can happen anytime. So uh, my issue on day 11, when my uh, electrical, the switch that moves my uh, changes, whether I can use my rear tank or my front tank, the fuel pumps in, because I've got three fuel pumps in the, on the bike. So to manage my weight distribution and that's what failed on day 11. And I can't say, you know, you know, the, it could have been that the switch was used or, uh, you know, anything can go on a used bike. That's why everyone usually goes on a new bike. Got that bike still. It's in France at the moment, waiting for anything to happen. Other than that, I've had to sell off all my um, training bikes over here, my spare bikes, because it's just been financially horrifying. Um, but we are pushing for bigger things at the moment. So we'll, we'll get back there. From my understanding, or the, the way I see this, wouldn't it then make more sense to rent a bike and be involved in a team and have all that nice support? Yes, I was luckily part of a team. I was part of a very good team, Nomad Racing, and they I was part of them and I rented a rally bike from them for Rally de Maroc right before the Dakar. I think it was two months before the Dakar. And it was very good. And I went with them for Dakar again. They took my uh, secondhand bike that I bought and they prepped it and everything. The bike was still 100%. There's no issues with the bike. So that, and that bike is still very strong. And it's, it's, I, I love that bike. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with it. But like I say, anything, you know, people have problems all the time. You can never, you know, plan for it or, well, I, I wanted to actually go and get some more electrical training. So I could have maybe done something different with that switch. My day could have been different. That's all part of the learning process and the understanding, isn't it? Exactly. And gaining experience. It must be very hard for you not having a motorcycle basically until two months before the time and then ride it for the first time and then physically enter something like the Dakar to, to gain that experience. But now, again, you don't have that bike with you. So how would you possibly yeah. prepare for it if, you, if, if there was the opportunity to, to do a next one? It, it's very difficult to, how can I say, uh, prepare for Dakar when you only have normal motocross bikes or off-road bikes. I luckily, um, a year before that, I got onto a, a Honda 450 RX. And that bike weighs 128 kgs odd. Uh, or, you know, close. It's a lot heavier than a KTM or and I was grateful for that because I 
I've also been conditioned over the years to get onto any bike. I've got to get onto a bike no matter what the setup, what the power, and I've got to adjust and work with it. And that's that's one of my strong points, I've, I find. So and when I get on that Dakar bike, it just takes me a few corners and everything, and I know the bike, yeah, I know exactly what it's doing. So I can get on and go. But luckily, I did have Rally du Maroc before the Dakar. I'm very grateful for that. So you have to plan in all these you know, previous, you have to plan more rallies than just Dakar if you want to do Dakar because you can't go in there without preparing, having suffered. I I, I really struggled on that rally in the dunes in Rally de Maroc. I struggled. I fell so many times. I don't know how many times I've picked up that 180 kgs at the dunes. Um, there were times I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is, this is madness. Like, I'd go over a dune and I'd fall and I'd go over another one and I'd... <laughs> and then Dakar came and I didn't fall hardly ever in the dunes I, it was I was loving life so I was very grateful for the suffering <laughs> so it, it definitely counts considering your past experience what would you do differently when you prepare again for for another Dakar um, I wouldn't really say I do things differently I mean I'm, I keep learning I'm gonna I, I never stop learning and I'd like to obviously go to France to nomad racing and then to actually learn a bit more because he was going to show me if certain things go wrong on the bike, I can actually do certain things that I didn't know about. I mean, I, I know a lot of the basic stuff. I can sort out most problems. I tested everything on the bike. I took the tanks off. I was I was trying to see if maybe one of my fuel pumps went. I, I tried everything, but the switch had literally failed. So and, and once that switch failed, it had cut out all the fuel pumps. So there was no way that it was getting going again. But other than that, I, I wouldn't change anything because I think... If I go to Dakar again, I'm going to be so much more prepared. I mean, I was in the 40s. I, I think I can do better than that. Um, and because I manage my pace very well, I manage, I look after a bike very well. So what would you say is the, the big secret? How do you win it or how do you approach it? It's not just about speed. You don't, No, you, of course you not. can't possibly just go in there and. The quickest guy doesn't win. No, because it's yeah. not, it's not about just. Pardon the pun, balls to the wall kind of thing. Open the throttle exactly. and there you go. So yeah. tell us a little bit, take us a little bit through that management of of the day, of the bike, of your stage. Yeah. Help us help us understand a little bit what it is that you plan in your mind or how would you approach it when you when you leave the start line in the morning. And I'm yeah. not just talking from a route point of view. I'm also I'm also thinking about, like you said, the bike and the, the stage and the pace. And I think what's what the most important thing is keeping your bike in one piece and keeping your body in one piece. Because the, the guys, if you want to go out there fast and you're going to wring that bike's neck, basically, or yourself, if you're going too fast, something's going to give. You know, you're going to be too tired for day two. And then, then how are you going to get to day 12? Um, I think with with me especially, I... The main thing with Dakar and rallies and these, these these marathon events, one mistake can set you back to 30th place. If you lose one corner or you, you're out in your odometer and you take the wrong road, you can be going down that road for 5Ks and then you're lost. You're so off your odometer to go back. How do you get back to that exact point you were at? And this this is one of the problems with me getting into a car now because it's a lot more pressure because we're at such a pace the whole time on a bike you get to tap off when you're a little bit confused or or things get complicated you tap off you slow down and you sort things out um with the cars it's a lot more pressure because someone just wants to race and you have to now 
kind of do the directing on the bikes other than that it's trying to be as consistent as possible just getting through everything and you know some guys have a, a strategy where they say you know what i'm going to take it easy for let's say 60 percent of the day then i'm going to start pushing a bit and i've never really worked with that because i find my pace is my pace i'm not gonna if i just go slow now i'm going to be tired at the end of the day anyway so whatever my pace is i, I just keep going and i kind of feel that I get stronger the you know the further the racing goes on and near the end as the days go on I get stronger as well and those that's why I was very upset with day 11 because I was catching the guys one by one and it was just getting better and better so I'm I'm highly upset with my Dakar but I, I learned so much and I'm, I'm so grateful for it and I will definitely be back I, I can't wait to get back and actually just show that my consistency you know will pull or something the rest of the world and your biggest fans are looking at what's happening right now with great interest. The way I see it, this is all positives for me. This is, I, I'm going to learn so much more from it and I'm going to gain so much knowledge and experience. And if, if I can get this right, if I can, because I'm actually, because we, we never knew at the start when I got in the car with Brian Baraguanath, who is the driver, the pilot of this CR6 Century Racing, CR6 buggy. It's, um, it's a two-wheel drive car, so we're we're not quite. Uh, things are a little bit different for us here in South Africa. Most of the cars are four-wheel drive in the top ten, you know, fifteen, and we're kind of showing them that we can do it. Uh, when I got in the car with him in August, when I finally got back from America after all the COVID, uh, I couldn't find re repatriation flights. Um, when I got in the car with him, it was a test. It it could have failed horribly. It we could have been a horrible mix. And uh, we could have clashed in the car or whatever, because we were both bikers. He did Dakar on a quad, and uh, he came third on the podium. So he's, he's, and he races bikes as well. So we're, we're two bikes with biker brains, and you know, bikers are very, we're, we're control freaks. We love, uh, we're, we're good at multitasking, and we know, you know, our job is our job. <laughs> so it, it was either going to be a disaster or work really well. And... Luckily, it worked really well. I, I took a while to get, um, I took a few Ks, should I say, to get into it because I was panicking. Here in South Africa, they, they race a little bit differently. They um, they race with the GPS and the roadbook. In normal rally raid, you just have the roadbook. Your roadbook is your Bible in a normal rally. And that's my knowledge. I know that. I trust that. I trust my roadbook. And here in South Africa, you cannot trust your roadbook. You, you know, your, your information's on it but you have to be looking at the GPS the whole time and you need to judge those lines on the GPS and the degree of the corners. And it's, it's a whole different game of racing. But like I said previously, I need to be able to adapt very fast. And I think I did. And, you know, we, we kept improving. And this last, very last national, we managed to get a third on the podium. So for my only third race with him, we managed to get a third on the podium. So I'm I'm very proud of that. And I think, you know, we still have a lot to learn. So I can still get so much better in the car. And our, let's say, our partnership in the car will also get better. And because we're, we're learning each other's ways and what works and what doesn't work. And I still obviously need to work on how I can help around the car. Like when we do have problems, because we did have a puncture in, in the one race. And I'm, I'm not the biggest person. <laughs> So I, I need to, we need to figure out what, what I can do. The heavy lifting, he does like most of the heavy lifting and I get out the, the nut runners. So we still have work to do. We can still 
like uh, save more time doing those things. How did this whole opportunity come about? We, we still don't know how did the two of you end up in a car? Is it something that happened over a coffee or is it something you do together as a partnership? Yeah, it, it actually, I was, I was stuck in America at the time and Brian, he wanted to do Dakar and he, he got hold of me. He, he said, do you, would you be interested in navigating in a car? And, you know, it, it was a big, like, ask because I was stuck in America and uh, we'd have to obviously test together and we'd have very little time to see if this would work. Because if not me, it would be someone else. <laughs> and I, for me, it was, if, if I had said no, it, I'd be stupid to say no. Because I already, I'd, I'd still be going to Dakar and I'd still be gaining experience. And, I mean, a lot of people are upset with me. They, um... I get comments all the time from from people saying they want more they want to see more bike stuff and they like why are you jumping from bikes to cars like where's where's your you know make up your mind where's your loyalty and they they don't realize it's to me it's rally it's racing we we love that we all connected the cars the bikes the quads and this is rally this is my passion this is what i love and i'm not giving up bikes i will still be racing bikes this is just right now, this is my focus. And, and if I can go do well with Brian, if we can chase that top 10, who knows, maybe we can do, even do better. Um, and we'll see if it really goes well, we'll stick to it for a bit. But I'll always be on bikes. I'll be in between all the time as well. So what are the plans from here for the car with you guys racing? We're hoping nothing really changes with Dakar because events are still being canceled left, right and center all the time. And we're, we're worried. It's, it's going to be very weird with the whole COVID situation. There's a lot of new rules for the bivouac and for getting there. I think we have to do like a three-day quarantine and um, there's so many, like we need to get flu vaccinations and hopefully not too many other vaccinations. <laughs> um, but the plan is to get there. We were hoping to do more of a shakedown before. Um, we were actually hoping to do there's a rally happening in December, but we're not sure if it's still going on because everything is being cancelled. It might only be Dakar, straight into Dakar. But for Dakar, we're hoping to actually be competitive and go for a top 10 um, and hopefully challenge the the top three or whatever um, two-wheel drive cars. So we, we can, you never know what happens. <laughs> like I said, it's all about, it's all about um, minimizing your mistakes. So if we can go there, have clean runs, we can do very well, I think. It's quite a big ask. I mean, from a bike to then being a navigator in a car. So you're kind of in control, but you're not over some situations. What sort of preparation did you do? Did, would you phone someone and say, hey, what would you suggest <laughs> I do? Or how would you approach that? It, it was a very um, tough ask, should I say. Because when, when I got into the car with Brian and we did some runs and we did racing and I am a control freak, so it's it's very different because you're worried about what he's doing and when I should be just focused on telling him what to do. And I've got no break, I've got no, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it was difficult to, um, how can I say, trust him. If you can find someone you trust as a, because we were basically putting our lives in each other's hands. You have to have full trust in that car. You have to you have to know each other. You You, you need to be friends. <laughs> It's a job, but you need to be friends. It's and I do trust Brian fully. He's got such in, an incredible driving ability, so I, I feel privileged to actually be the navigator, letting him do what he does. 
but yeah, it, it, it took a little while and we're still getting there. I'm, I'm still not hundred percent there. I can, we can still do a lot, lot better in the car with the, with the whole trust. And, uh, I, I at least let go. I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not the kind of person to ever panic. I, if something is about to follow me, I won't panic. So, so we're a good combination in the car. I can completely understand why people would be a little bit upset about you because you were this, not just a hopeful, I mean, you were one of the two South African ladies that competed in the, in the Dakar and did really, really well, you know, and, and, and flying the flag really well and high and yeah. And all of a sudden you're not there anymore. Now there's a, there's a car involved. I think there's a, there's a very clear divide of what and who you will support in the Dakar, whether it's trucks or bikes or things like that. I also find that people need to understand that it, it is such a big funding operation. And, you know, if I could have been there on a bike or if, if, if I had the help, I'd be there. But it's not as easy. Would I mean, sometimes I want to ask the question, like, would would you as my fans prefer that I sit and do nothing for the stacker? Would you prefer that I sit at home and and, you know, pull my hair up because everyone's racing and I'm not? <laughs> so it, it is very difficult, but um I'm, I'll never give up bikes. I'm a biker. I'm a biker in a car, we're, and we're going to go show them how it's done. Dave, thank you very much for your time. Where can we follow you and your progress, and where would be the best place to see what, what you guys are doing and up to and, and how well you fare? I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on Facebook as Tay Perry. I also have a website, just tayperry.com. So if, if you can't find any of my social media, you can go there. Um, we should be putting more updates as things, you know, now that the car's getting shipped, we, everything is getting serious now. So um, we should have a few more things to give away and everything and get the ball rolling. Ho hopefully a few more sponsors come on board as well, because it's been tough. A lot of them are only really, you know, they're saying, come back to us next year and we'll, you know, we'll start something from there. So COVID is affecting everyone, but we're, we're still going for it. It's not going to stop us from racing. <laughs> Thank you very much and uh, uh, good luck. Thank you so much. I wish much. you guys all the best and fly the flag high. We appreciate it. It was awesome chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Eh?